0: So welcome everybody um, to Better Europe, a podcast run by dm 25 members. I'm here with Felix, a German living in London.
1: Hi, that's me. Yes, Felix from Germany living in London. <laughs> and Mame from Finland.
2: Hi, yes, I'm from Finland. Um, I'm also from Senegal and uh, currently living in Berlin.
0: Very nice. So uh, I hope uh, this podcast will not focus too much on, on Germany though. Almost everyone is living in Berlin or coming from Germany or something. And blah. <laughs> well,
2: what I idea? don't speak very good German, so it's okay.
1: Oh, that's okay then. <laughs>
2: I'll represent the rest.
1: I haven't lived there in a while, too, so we can manage. We can talk about Brexit, if you like.
0: Oh, uh, uh, Another day,
2: maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started.
0: You know, uh, Brexit is like a topic we've mentioned in some episodes, but it's always like, uh, it will delay anyway, so we can make a, uh, an episode about it later.
1: <laughs> but actually, something interesting happened, just a very short note. Yesterday, or the day before yesterday, a huge amount of very important labor um, uh, representatives such as John McDonald came out in favor of citizens' assemblies, basically what our campaign Take a Break from Brexit and DiEM policy has been saying for the last one and a half years. And that came directly after Jeremy and John McDonald met Yanis on Sunday. So oh, okay. there might be some connection here. Wow. Good news. Yeah.
0: Very good news though. But yes, uh, another topic. I mean, the Last episode we put out was uh, shortly before the uh, election, like six or seven weeks ago. Um, and now we have uh, our new president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. One of the least popular um, politicians in Germany, though.
1: <laughs> yes, she 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 called the biggest hike in the military budget uh, in post-war German history. Um, how did she call it? A financial transition. And it's mm-hmm. just, yeah getting the war machinery going, aren't we? And they still don't manage the ministry well. And it's just a shame. And now completely behind closed doors, this woman becomes the new, most powerful person in the European Union.
0: She has been uh, the Minister of Family Affairs and Youth, Minister of Labour and Social Affairs and Minister of Defence before. So it seems like... uh... She's in some kind of all round talent, I guess, (laughs) but she (laughs) failed
1: everywhere.
2: Yes, I'm not sure if uh, I should be cheering her just because she's a woman. (laughs) I don't feel like it.
1: I mean, sorry, the biggest shame, I think, about the election is also that she got um, only elected because the Northern League around Salvini and Viktor Orban backed her in Parliament. And because the social Democrats in Germany are a spineless group of people who just follow the Christian <laughs> Democrats wherever they go. But otherwise she wouldn't have succeeded if she wouldn't have had the support from the far right. And that's just historical, isn't it? Like center parties putting forward, um, new ministers or politicians for consideration in office and they rely on the far right in order to push them into those offices.
2: That's really concerning.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and just recently they found a, a military rocket or something at the hideout of Italian Nazis or something. It's really getting dangerous now. I mean, a rocket like this costs, I don't know, a couple of million euros or something. <laughs> so, where do they have that from?
1: And the list of 25,000 people that the far right is targeting in Germany that came yeah.
0: out? Yeah. And the murder of the conservative politician and so on and so on, so on, and so on. getting more and more insane. So uh, welcome, Ralph. Ralph just joined, a little bit delayed from Cologne. Welcome. Hi. So we just talked about uh, the latest uh, events in Europe, the election also, and uh, mm-hmm. the election of Ursula von der Leyen. An opinion uh, from your side,
3: Ralph. <laughs> Um, no applause, <laughs> I would say. Um, it's uh, a scandal, isn't it? That, uh, they just, uh, that she appears in this, uh, um, election of the um, president of the commission. I think.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I think I saw one and a half hours ago or so on the Green New Deal for Europe Facebook page that she does talk about the Green New Deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Too. yeah. Yeah. But I just wonder what kind of Green New Deal it is. Banning more plastic straws. <laughs> I don't know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> she, she she didn't say a Green New Deal. She just said um, we need a Green Deal in Europe. Or no. We we need a Green Deal for Europe.
1: That's what she said. Well it's sending the right message, using the right words. Maybe the right people are listening to Diem.
0: Well, yes. she she said a lot of kind words in the last couple of days. But let's see um, how much of actual stuff will happen. You never know. Maybe she will surprise us. You never know.
1: <laughs> Hopefully. Maybe she'll turn socialist when she's in office. I don't know. Yeah,
2: very much doubt that.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so... Um, yeah, as mentioned, Diem took part in the elections as well, but uh, no seats for us in the European Parliament. It was close in some uh, countries, but I think uh, uh, just a couple of, uh, like 500 votes uh, missed in, in uh, Greece or yeah. something, a couple of thousands in Germany and Denmark. Anyway, we won of, uh, nine seats in the Greek national election, but mm. that's
1: yeah, it's something, I guess. <laughs> well, they've been also lacking funding extremely. I think um, somehow this figure of like only 80,000 euros um, has been circulating for the entire Europe-wide campaign for the electoral wings. So yeah. it's quite impressive that in the end they gathered 1.5 million votes, or we gathered got 9.5 million votes. I can't really claim any... Uh, Um, props for that because I didn't do much (laughs) the people who in the end went into the street and hung up the posters and went to meetings and talked about it they did manage quite a good deal people are talking about us some at least
2: yeah I only I participated in a few local things really really not very much and um, I don't have a lot of experience but it's it's funny I've um, I've spoken to people who are really disappointed with with how little votes that we have and then I've spoken to people who are really impressed that we we got what we got and I'm not I'm not I don't have the expertise to, to really make my, my own assessment. I was personally impressed or I, I thought it was it was good going but um, I'm I'm not sure.
1: I actually started out as a depressed person and then I came gradually impressed. <laughs> it's the truth. The <laughs> first day after the election, actually, I, I had to be I had to. comforted by, by my girlfriend. Um, and by now, um, I'm like this super excited DMO who thinks, yeah, there's some momentum. People are listening. We can change things. And Yeah. I think it's just what you what you do with the grief, <laughs> how you handle it. What's your process? Yeah, it
0: definitely um, got some attention our, our uh, election campaign. And uh, by the way, uh, I got uh, I became a founding member of the DSC in Zurich, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the-
2: Congratulations!
0: Yes, thank you.
1: Uh,
0: I think the second uh, DM group in Switzerland now. So greetings out to Zurich
1: nice congrats that's cool
2: yeah that's really cool
1: we're currently running a lot of meetups to create new dscs in london um we had the last one last thursday and the room in the pub was crowded and the next one we already started advertising on facebook and twitter and team 25 official shouted as well which might have not been the best thing because now we expect like 50 people and it's still the same room and i don't know it's going to be like you know, in these old socialist paintings, where an old dude with a beard just screams into a shouting crowd of old people <laughs> and a tiny pub. <laughs> I don't know, declaring the revolution. I don't know. No, it's just going to be creating a DSC. Um, <laughs> We're <people> quite modest <laughs> in our goals, but yeah, that's actually, fantastic.
2: That's, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's happening. It's happening also in London. Finally, very yeah.
0: good in Zurich it was quite nice we were 12 people meeting in a park close to the train station but a very international group typical for Switzerland
2: but that's really good but I, I have this feeling also that there seems to be this momentum um, not really in Berlin it seems a lot of people are away or we, we, uh, there's like a quiet period or um, I don't know maybe it's just me but I get that feeling too things are, things are moving
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, it has to grow organically. I think it's better to not to push it too hard.
2: <laughs> that may be true. That may be true. Yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, the point I actually invited to, to the um, podcast is uh, the DM Academy. So, um, Ralph, do you want to uh, summarize uh, the
3: concept of the DM Academies? Summarize the concept of the DM Academies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I would say it's a concept, um, to bring, um, as many DSCs, uh, together as possible in one place and, um, really to come together in person. Um, as you see, uh, sometimes it's not the best way to meet, uh, via internet, (laughs) um, yeah and uh, it's um a great uh, opportunity to uh, come together and to um to speak about uh, how is everything developing how can uh, things uh, can be brought forward and so on and so forth and it's um, it's also a possibility to educate ourselves yes that's what i would say there are many other points for sure
0: so it's something like a, a meetup of dear members on a on a European level, I guess. Yeah.
3: To describe it shortly. Yeah.
0: And um, how many academies actually took place? Uh, I mean, I have been at one in Cologne. It was in February. You were one of the main organizers of the event, Ralph.
3: Yeah. It's uh, in Lisbon. It has been the uh, third academy. First was in Belgrade, the second in Cologne, and the third in Lisbon.
0: And Lisbon was in June, right? Yes. In the middle of June.
1: And we found out that June is apparently the month of street party in Lisbon. Yes, really. (laughs) It was very, very good planning on the part of the organizers, I have to say. (laughs) Had a lot of fun.
3: I think when I ever get back to Lisbon, it
1: will be in June. (laughs) I think otherwise it's just disappointing.
2: Yeah, it, it really was. It really was amazing with all so, the parties. Fantastic.
0: What kind of parties? <laughs> Street parties? What's that?
2: <laughs> well, it's a lot of queuing <laughs> to have your drinks and your food, which probably is a good idea so you don't <laughs> overdo it.
1: <laughs> no, it's really beautiful. You have like these little plazas in the middle of the old town with all the little... Um, uh, alleys running, running through, for the, for the city. And they're like bands everywhere and there are little tents everywhere. And sometimes it's almost like a big festival. We have thousands of people in front of one stage. And sometimes it's just 30 or 40 of people, um, just going crazy. And some of the music was incredibly good. Like it was yeah. not just small, random street artists. There was proper bands, proper DJs and really good stuff. Really. Cool. Yeah.
2: That's true. And so many people out. Really, it felt like everybody was out on the streets, and really, an um, amazing vibe. Really.
0: <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, the academy is not only about partying.
2: No, <laughs> so, no, no, that's what that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay.
0: So, because uh, Felix and Mami, you both uh, you you designed workshops for uh, the academy in Lisbon, right? Yes.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: So, uh, Mommy, you go first. Uh, what was your workshop about?
2: <laughs> so, um, so, our workshop, there were uh, three, three of us um, uh, organizing it together. It was uh, generally on gender and diversity. And so, we didn't have a lot of time to collaborate. So um, we started with uh, Irini, um, a lady from Greece, um, who started with uh, femicide, the concept of femicide and the um, rising amounts of um, femicide occurring and violence against women generally in in Greece after the austerity measures. And so we started with that and then uh, we continued with um, diversity, um, inequality in general, and focused on how DM perhaps as a movement could do better in terms of inclusion. Um, I think that's that's roughly the, the mm. context.
0: Yeah, I mean, the situation within DM Twenty Five is uh, quite hard in point of uh, diversity I mean, about. I guess one third of all Dio members or something is female. So do you have a strategy to change that?
2: I wouldn't call it a strategy. <laughs> I, I think, um, uh, I'm not sure. I believe that there was, this was my first um, academy. I think that there was a gender, um, was talked about in Cologne and there was a workshop on gender. But I think there needs to be a little bit more um, awareness and discussion on how, how could we improve the gender balance and, and generally um, the diversity within DM. Um, yeah, we, we had some, some great ideas. I thought we had some good discussion um, around what can be done. Um, I, I wouldn't say we came up with a strategy just yet. Um, but I think at least people left more aware of of this it being something that, that really needs needs addressing. Um, in order to improve, it won't happen automatically. Yeah, I don't know if um, Felix or Ralph, you want to um, elaborate on that?
1: Uh, you mean on the on the strategies that we were developing? Did, I, did you
2: feel that we now have a strategy? <laughs> I don't think
1: that was the point of the academy, was it? At least, okay, well, for, for some things, definitely. But like some of the workshops, well, first of all, all of the workshops that weren't like entirely separate from, say, a, um, a more specific issue like gender or gender-based violence and so on and so forth, always returned to the question of how do we organize ourselves as a movement? And out of that, actually a lot of ideas came and some strategies I would call them like Gianna is implementing now um, a coordination. Gianna Mercki, the CC member for everybody who doesn't know it because we're still on the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. She is implementing, implementing a new Green New Deal structure is trying, we're trying to revive ground organization and reach out to other organizations and so on. And that's like part of like some overarching narrative, I would say, I wouldn't really call it a strategy, but I wouldn't say that particular workshops were supposed to come up with a very quintessential, like a green paper or anything. That, that, was, that was not really the aim, as I understood it. Um, yeah, uh, I actually, I, I thought that Mami's uh, workshop was among the best in the academy. It was uh, really interesting. It was very engaging. We had very different modes of interaction. Um, we watched videos, and they were actually really, really interesting and enlightening Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, parts of the discussion Mm -hmm. actually yeah it was there was quite some interesting moments i really enjoyed it
2: i i I have to agree i think it was it was super um, interactive i was quite surprised how engaged um everybody was and also how um, it's it's such a topic um i i feel that gender and diversity is super important and then I talk to people about it and I feel like maybe <laughs> I'm overdoing it a bit. And then suddenly you had um, people, women especially, open up and share some of their personal stories. And um, it hits home how, how really important it is. Yeah. So th- that, was, that was really, it was powerful. It was um, a bit shocking, but also um, uh, really positive.
0: Hmm. So um, how does austerity um, don't know, um, tend, to, tend to drive um, violence against women? Can you describe it?
2: Well, it was Irene's <laughs> part of the workshop. However, yeah. um, in short, um, Irini was linking uh, rightly, um, generally um, oppression or different modes of oppression in society quite closely to the economic relations. So you can go back to capitalism. Um, Also patriarchy um, that affects men and women the same way. So uh, let's say austerity as an example, um, puts men under pressure and men who uh, feel this is very stereotypical and, and Mm -hmm. along the lines of the pressure will then cascade down and, uh, generally the more powerful will then um, take it on the people who are underneath them, if you like. Um, You have, of course, the same tendencies in the rise of nationalism and uh, xenophobia and all of these things are are parts of the similar narrative where you have people who are frustrated and then they take it out on the wrong people, let's say, or the people Mm -hmm. that they feel that they have power over. Or those that are in positions that um, are voiceless. I that see, can, yeah, you know, yeah I, th- I think there were also some a, a little bit um, uh, shocking uh, opinions, maybe not thought through uh, by some, um, let's say, male <laughs> participants. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I felt that um, at the end, I'm hoping they didn't feel attacked. Um, that the the counter arguments were made in a way that didn't vilify or or um, judge or um, in that way a, a, attack those that had maybe uh, not such enlightened views uh, on mm-hmm. on some things, mm-hmm. and that and that also um, that that maybe um, they had some food for thought and went home and maybe maybe not revised but but. Maybe spend some more time thinking about these things. I mean, privilege, when you have it, and when you have... Oh, let's not even talk about privilege. Let's talk about access. Um, when, when you have access uh, and you don't have obstacles, um, it's, it's difficult to see the obstacles that other people face. And that, that, is, um, that is something that's difficult to, to all of us, not, not mm-hmm. just women... I myself, I was when I was uh, preparing for the workshop. Um, I realized that I omit also categories of people. So we don't we don't take into consideration people who are hard of hearing, or people who have wheelchairs when when we arrange our events. Um, is the is the can you hear the sirens?
0: <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs>
2: it's it's Berlin and I'm yeah. okay it's done I'm really close <laughs> to the Charite, uh, <laughs> hospital so okay. it's a lot of, uh, lot of traffic but um, yes yeah, so so privilege is something that all of us have over somebody else and it's 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 not always easy to perceive of these so I was saying if you have an event uh, where you or a, a place, a venue where you hold all your DSC meetings and there's no lift, there's a lot of stairs. I think a lot of us don't think about the fact that we, we could ask if somebody wants to come that is, uh, is, is not able um, in that way or, or other things. Timings um, of DSC meetings, single parents would, would struggle um, to always meet um, during the week in the evenings, for example. Um, different people have different um, shifts, different ways that they use their time. You have the the language that we have in DM often is very academic. Uh, It might um, pose an obstacle to someone who didn't go to university. Um, There's a lot of things. Actually, there was a a young man who came to me after the workshop um, on diversity. And... uh, uh, said to me that he found it funny that within the the little discussion group, after talking about diversity and the voices that are not heard, he could not get a, <laughs> he could not get a word in. He felt that no one was actually listening to him, and he tried three times to interject and say something. Mm. And and finally, he felt how ironic that he did not actually get to get get to talk. So it's not always women. Um, we have people who, who uh, participate in discussion groups and, and don't always feel like they maybe have something valuable to say or, or don't feel like there's a right time for it. So uh, in general, moderation came out as something that's really, really, really important that we really yes, need to, right. to pay attention to. Um, and then just generally including including everybody in the room to make sure that we don't always hear the same opinion and always hear the same people. Um, We we need this. We really need it.
0: I see. Thank you. I remember a moment when when we discussed uh, feminism and diversity in Cologne as well. And at some point, um, some male members, uh, some male activists, um, get a bit annoyed, uh, just two or three or something, and at this point, uh, when they wanted to, to ask something, uh, a DM member, an activist from the U.S., stand up and just said, um, "Don't get don't get annoyed. Just take it for now and uh, uh, just listen." Just listen. Afterwards, you can talk to each other uh, directly about it. And, uh, but they get so, so angry, they just left the, left the room. Remember that point, Ralph?
3: Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was uh, Zach Axley. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a really uh, good invention.
0: Yeah, uh, Zach Axley made a standard statement about just take it for now and, and listen it really seems like uh the us seems to be a bit uh, more progressed in 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 this in this discussion isn't it yeah,
2: yeah. i'm i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not well, sure about well let's that. say the
0: progressive us <laughs> perhaps
2: perhaps. Yes. perhaps yeah yeah um i i think uh, those who are um how would I put this? Um, those who are progressive, those who are aware, yes. probably in the States, deal with these kind of conflicts much more than, than um, we do in, in yeah, Europe. The
0: progressives I, I, in Europe. Uh,
2: um, yeah, maybe it's also because Europe gen- in, in general is, is more homogenous. It, mm-hmm. it could be that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you, you might be right there.
0: So Felix, what was your workshop about?
1: So, um, the name of the workshop was Rebel Cities and Radical Municipalism, if I have that um, in mind correctly. The basic idea was, well, that we would talk about the Rebel Cities movement, um, which is pretty much um, the, um, let's say, Municipalities across the world that try to regain power over the institutions in their city, may pretty much democratize the cities um, and give it back to the people. Most famously, is uh, known as Ada Colau from the big commune in Barcelona, but similar things are happening um, coming out of the black community in Jackson, Mississippi. Actually, Um, coming in in Beirut, Medinati Beirut are also radical. Rebel City movement, the same in Serbia, in Beograd, and so on and so forth. So introduce the concept, talk about that, and um, yeah. So the the idea was that uh, rebel cities actually. That was my part of the of the presentation. The first part was about radical no municipal socialism in uh, London in the nineteen eighties. I'm sure I got that wrong, Peter, if you're listening, the dude who made that part. I'm very sorry. Um, I know there is a more nuanced title to this part. Um, I just can't get it together right now. Um, And then um, they use citizens' assemblies, or at least in many uh, of these uh, rebel city activists, they use citizens' assemblies in order to govern themselves. So, um, for example, in Madrid, one was implemented. um, Adekolo used them in Barcelona. And I was thinking, um, since I'm from the UK and Brexit is a big thing and we constantly talk about citizens' assemblies anyways, why won't we try and come up with a policy that concerns us as DM members in some sort of like spontaneous citizens' assembly? It didn't work out at all. Um, in the end, we had group discussions. We, we talked about... Exactly. As I said earlier, we talked about who we are as a movement and where we're going and how do we do ground organizing? How do we organize people on the ground? How do we empower people on the ground? How do we keep them active on the ground? And how to shift from after back then the devastating loss in the European election, even though I don't think that way anymore, towards um, understanding ourselves as a grassroots movement again. And there were like three questions coming up, first of all, by the agenda setting um, that was given to the plenum uh, that were, were revolving around the subject. And then the plenum was um, divided into three groups, which were also way too big. It was the first time I organized a workshop in my life. Um, I was kind of left alone with it, <laughs> but it's okay.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see. Um,
1: and there was a group discussion, got discussion going on about these things. They were presented in the end in front of the plenum. And that was basically uh, how the workshop went. Um, I was really not happy with it. People were all right. They said the group discussions suffice. It was interesting. Um, there was no overarching um, narrative that came out of it in the end. There was no policy proposal or strategy or anything. Also to a huge part because I was not able to be taking notes during the part and the pictures of the presentations got lost uh, along the way. I couldn't find them anymore. But... The idea, the experience that I made with how to how to use a citizens' assembly, and also the discussions that were had in the groups, which were rather interesting, that actually um, led to some to some nice thoughts and also discussions they carried on later in the evenings um, about new democratic structures, about how to govern ourselves in how to um, reclaim municipalities, regions, and so on and so forth, whether or not citizens' assemblies are the right institutions. And yeah, and that, that, that was pretty much it. Um,
2: can, I, can I just say, I think you're being really hard on yourself. It, it really wasn't that bad. We had a really, really <laughs> good conversation after. And um, I think everybody was <laughs> a bit tired from the partying the night before. Um, but, but I do think that that's what you mentioned is uh, uh, something that I think was felt through all of the workshops, probably because of the election. Um, exactly that everyone uh, was a little bit, how could I say, unable to focus in a very specific theme. It always kind of came back to what is wrong with DM. Yeah. What do we think that we should be doing? And there's, of course, um, a lot of different ideas of what exactly we should be doing. Um, and I think that was with the citizens' assemblies, it kind of opened it all up. And suddenly, I, I think we went really, really over time with the discussions with this work group as well. Mm. I remember you hovering around maybe three, four times saying, you don't have any more time. And to be honest, we probably would have been there for another hour. So I don't think it was you and your workshop. I think it was also the, the circumstance and the, the, the topic that, that made it like that.
1: I also have to say I'm not an expert in rebel city movements or anything. Um, It was just that we signed up originally as like three, four people. And then people started opting out, not coming to the academy. And in the end, um, I was left with the citizens assembly and just tried to connect these things. And they actually do go to well, well, very well together. Um, Also with us as a movement that fits into rebel cities and all of these things, they just collided in big group discussions. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, and that opened up the, the, the day for other discussions as well. And then it wasn't okay. so bad. That's true. Thank you, Mame, by the way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought it was great. So,
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Felix, can you shortly describe the concept of rebel cities? Oh, yes.
1: Very short. <laughs> yes. So, um, citizens' assemblies have been used a lot. Um, before and the most recent one was in Ireland about the abortion legislation there. That's the, mo- also the most famous one, I would suppose. And it's pretty much that you would gather an assembly of ran- kind of randomly selected members from the society that, however, accurately reflect the demographics of the given community, region, state, city, trans-European community or something. And so you these individuals would discuss policy amongst themselves with the help of as objective as possible. there is no real objectivity, but as objective as possible expert accounts from academics, from people who work in the field, witness accounts as well, different witness accounts, and these accounts would try to guide the conversation in this plenum um, towards um, a policy proposal, and sometimes. Um, this is only used in order to overcome a political impasse, like in the abortion legislation, where actually most of the population in Ireland was already against loosening the laws around abortion legislation, whereas the politicians were still with the relations in the Catholic Church and so caught up in um, politics, not able to implement those. But on the other hand, sometimes it's also used to find an entirely new way for example, in British Columbia, in Canada, a Citizens' Assembly reformed the um, voting system. And every party in British Columbia had a different opinion of how it should be done. And when they had a Citizens' Assembly, they came out with an entirely different, new, but by the public-backed voting system. And so, of course, this can work on any level. This can work in a town hall meeting, and it can also work on a state level, uh, on a federal state level. and. Hopefully it can even work for much broader subjects than particular abortion legislation such as Brexit, environmental policy, which incorporates everything from work to how we treat indigenous communities and so on and so forth, Um, way beyond only specific uh, policy proposals. It's a little bit of a hope, but it's a very young concept. I mean, the idea is there since the 80s, but it's gathering a lot of momentum only since about two, three years, actually since the Brexit referendum, because we finally realized how shitty referenda are in order to govern (laughs) a society. Um, I'm not saying that I'm against referenda overall, but uh, a citizens assembly would be preferable. And now there is this new thing coming up and actually it's cutting edge social science research. There is, even in academics, not a lot of research done on this. There are not a lot of experts out there. It's a handful and DiEM25 is on the forefront of this uh, new development, actually take a break from Brexit and beyond Brexit in the UK have developed the first proposal for a citizens assembly, um, 25 pages long for the Brexit impasse. And only last Sunday or yesterday, new member, the leading members of the Labour Party came out in favour of citizens assemblies in the UK, such as John McDonough. And it's a huge step for us as a movement, I think.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself uh, how successful is uh, the concept actually because I already, already heard that uh, in Barcelona it's, it's not very successful, isn't it? Or not very, very popular.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not very well aware of the situation in Barcelona, but there are a lot of constraints to it. One of the most recent ones I heard is that on the one hand, Ideally, we keep thinking about citizens' assemblies being able to solve broad subjects and almost any subject in the society, whereas practically it does need to be specific for um, the assembly actually to go in depth and then develop something clear, a clear proposal. And that's also sometimes the problem that they set up a citizens' assembly, don't give them a clear mandate or like a clear task, and they end up in no wasteland, nothing, nothing comes out. They keep discussing for, for hours and hours and hours and hours and maybe months or years and Mm -hmm. nothing comes out. Yeah, it's, it's a, there, there was this beautiful sentence. I think one of the members said at DM25 in the Lisbon Academy actually in one of the evening discussions after a couple of beers. So one of the members said that there cannot be citizens assemblies without, um, like a people 's discussion, or like a people 's Assembly, or something like this, um, because you need people on the ground to actually feel empowered to speak about the subject, to care about the subject, in order for the assembly to have legitimacy on the one hand, but on the other hand also to come up with viable policies that can be backed by the public afterwards um, that's of course a constraint yeah you yeah, you need this empowerment now i don't know what I said earlier anymore, that was another point but. Yeah, there is a there is a lot of discussion going on also in june 25 UK at the moment, and there are a lot of valid concerns. And I think we'll we'll have to keep thinking. It's literally out there. There is there is no plan or any road guideline that we should follow.
2: Um. So in the discussion that we had after um, after this particular um, workshop. Um, was was really interesting. Um, I myself had a few DM colleagues, and we um, organized or tried to organize a citizens assembly as a counter assembly to the to the summit in Sibiu that was taking place um, at the same time of the European May so the first week of may and uh, it's I think as a concept this is one of the the, the the concepts that makes me the most optimistic at the moment is exactly citizens assembly. Um, I I really feel that it it can be really, really powerful and at the same time it's super difficult. And I suppose the the same old thing applies here that anything that's, that's going to be really valuable is not easy. Um, There's a lot of, a lot of constraints and there's a lot of ways that it can, it can flop. And I think, One of the main ones is exactly that, that you get people together. At the end, you don't really get um, concrete output and then people get demoralized and then uh, kind of give up. But I think that if we work at them and we get get the the dynamics right because you you need to have the the people on the grassroots level, you need to have trust um, and you need to be able to empower them to translate their concerns into concrete action. But if and when it goes right, I think the results can be really, really powerful. And I think they will be lasting. Um, So I I agree with Felix.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, when I uh, visited uh, Switzerland and I talked to the DMS in Zurich, uh, it just came to my mind how much uh, Europe actually can learn from Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland definitely is like a better version of the EU in, in the size of a small nation. So many different languages and, and interests and everything is discussed broadly in, in, within the population. And they look very, very uh, harsh on the uh, behavior of uh, politicians and the transparency of their, their measurements. So definitely uh, uh we definitely have can learn a lot from Switzerland i guess
1: I'm still not a big fan of um of referenda but i do think that it's right there is the i i had this discussion with Natalie who's from Switzerland at the academy as well and she made this again beautiful point about the um like the interlinked relationship between the referenda and the public debate mm-hmm. so on the one hand of course you have um, you, you can say that in a country like Britain or in a country like Germany as well, referenda don't really work because there is generally, general, no big discussion about these subjects in society. There is no empowerment that the people feel. They don't feel as if they can, ha- as if they have actually a right to say something about this, right? And a and lot so, of misinformation, I guess. Exactly. So yeah. they, they shut they shut these things out, and then in the end, only make an X in the box and a gut feeling, gut feeling. Or they they actually clash because they're very easily exposed to misinformation. And she says that, uh, on the other hand, in in Switzerland, actually, these things grew simultaneously. You have referenda that empower people to get informed, which would make them want to have more referenda, which would want them to be informed. And in the end, you have this political structure where people actually constantly have referenda about stuff, sometimes also about nonsense. But... (laughs) Most of the time, actually, it's important that people feel empowered and they feel like they have a place in society and to discuss these policies which are proposed in a referendum. And I think that's something beautiful. I think that is something extremely valuable. And that is something we actually don't really have in any other European country.
0: Yeah, very special kind of culture, indeed. Okay, so I guess there are a lot of uh, different topics at each uh, academy. So um, does someone of you know, is there already uh, the next academy in planning?
1: I know from the people of Manchester that they'd like to um, organize one, but not for this year, I think, 2020 then.
2: Okay,
0: Manchester would be great. Never been to the UK yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, traveling outside of London uh, is pretty new to you, or
1: isn't it? The world outside of London, I took a train once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's really, it's embarrassing, but there's so much work and so much stuff to do, and I, I've been like twice to the seaside and once somewhere north of London, but not more than 80 kilometers Okay
0: so um for the listeners if you are interest, interested to join uh DM academy uh, I think you will get a, an email that informs you about uh, the next academy when you sign the newspaper if you are signed on the webpage of DM25 right I think everyone gets invited or every I think so. Yeah yeah
3: yeah
0: Okay so um Thanks, Mame. Thanks, Felix. And thank you, Ralph, for coming again and um, inform us about the Academy concept and the Academy in Lisbon and your workshops.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: Thank you, you, Florian. Florian.
0: Thanks a lot, guys. And um, goodbye, listeners. Hear you again. I hope uh, the next uh, episodes will be more frequently now. Goodbye.